a change in how UT enforces free speech on campus, more changes from Mayor Adler on when and where Austin's transient population can camp, and a new mixed-use development that could drastically change Riverside. This is In the Paper. I'm Sarah Schleed, and I'm here with Editor-in-Chief Spencer Buckner. Thanks for having me. And News Editor Megan Menchaca. Hey, Sarah. Hey, guys. So, um... Common outdoor areas on campus are now available for the general public to use for free speech and expression. Uh, but Fenviz didn't come up with this out of the blue, right, Megan? This is part of like a new state law? Yeah, so during the last legislative session, the Texas legislature passed Senate Bill 18, and that guarantees that anyone can engage in expressive speech on public university campuses in certain areas, such as like common outdoor areas. Yeah, so what exactly constitutes a common outdoor area? So common outdoor areas are anywhere that's an open outdoor space on campus that's not used for educational or research purposes or university events. So for example, you're not allowed, if there's a football game going on, you can't just start parading on the during the football game or you can't host a rock concert on the six-pack because those are used for educational and university events. But West Mall, which is a popular, for anyone who doesn't know, is a popular place for students to table and people to visit. Speedway, both of those places and other outdoor areas on campus are generally available for anyone to come and express their speech. And so it says the general public is allowed to come. Is there anybody that would be exempt from that? I do not believe so. I don't believe they have any restrictions. Unless, so they do have general safety, time, and place restrictions. You have to maintain, uh, follow the UT's rules on time and space and safety. If they say, we want to put you here because this is the safest place for you to be, you have to follow those rules. But generally anyone, I believe, who's a member of the public is allowed now on campus. As uh, you may remember, there was a group of masked protesters with tiki torches who arrived on the main mall in 2017. Um, and they were immediately asked to leave, but would they now be allowed to um, have a demonstration on campus? So we haven't asked the university this question directly, but they did say in their FAQ that freedom of speech means all views have a place for expression, even those that other may, others may find offensive, hurtful, or wrong. They do encourage people, if they, fear, if they are in fear of facing violence or harm, they should call 911 and talk to UTPD, but I'm not sure about whether the university can, for example, restrict a Klan rally or restrict certain people. I don't know if I want to say a Klan rally. I'm not sure if the university can restrict certain groups that other people find hateful from coming to the university. I think the answer is no. Right. I think the only reason maybe that that could be restricted is if tiki torches are considered like... A safety hazard. Right. Uh, I know they did under a former like free speech code, but I'm actually not sure. Yeah, I imagine if them. you're walking on the grass um, and you drop your tiki torch, you could set the grass on fire. That would maybe be a safety hazard. Just maybe. So that group uh, was associated with white supremacy. Uh, Greg Fenvez claimed that himself, I believe, in a statement he made after. So does this new rule protect the presence of hateful rhetoric on campus? I mean, uh, to quote the university, it says all views have a place for expression, even those that people might find offensive. Uh, hateful rhetoric is sometimes found offensive by people. That, that's protected on campus now. 
even by people who aren't a part of the university. Spencer? I mean, I guess, I guess my question about this piece of legislation is, is why exactly do we need it? Um, it feels targeted at UT, um, you know, with specific clashes, specifically in like the past year, I guess, you know, with YCT's Kavanaugh demonstration. Um, and, you know, concerns, I guess, coming from the Capitol and more specifically the Republican Party about, you know, UT being, you know, this quote unquote liberal school that um, is restricting free speech rights. So, so my question is, is, is who is this bill, you know, intended to allow uh, to speak on UT's campus? You know, who are going to be the, the people from, from the quote unquote public that are going to be coming on campus and speaking now that now that this bill has passed, and um, I mean I, I you know I've been reading about this you know about you know Texas A&M wouldn't let Richard Spencer speak on their campus oh what was it two years ago, and um, you know so it it, se- it seems to me that that these are the voices that are specifically you know being protected the ones that universities wouldn't allow in the past so now Richard Spencer can just walk onto campus and you know say whatever kind of um, you know awful things he has to say. Um, and now the university can't do anything about it. So it, it, it seems on face value coming from the Texas legislature that this is simply another bill to protect hate speech on campus. Um, and, you know, you know, the university will say things like, you know, all speech, including hateful rhetoric, should be allowed. But this bill feels specifically designed um, to allow those voices uh, to come onto campus again when, when universities weren't allowing them, you know, and in the recent past. Mm-hmm. Any other comments about this subject? Huh? I don't know if I have any other comment. Just that I agree. You know, I've I've, def- I've definitely seen an increase in legislatures and conservative members of the UT student body expressing their beliefs that they may not necessarily have, you know, complete, uh, you know, a full right to free speech on campus. In the past, they've some some students have had their time their signs torn. Some students have had their their demonstrations moved for safety reasons which the university is still allowed to do, but a lot of legislatures have seen their complaints and amplified them um, because they feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that may have been a contrib- I don't know if I want to say that may have been a contributing factor by this bill was passed, but that was definitely in the conversation. That was definitely in the conversation during the Texas legislature, the last legislative session. Moving on to city news, uh, Mayor Adler spoke about his recent resolution on homelessness at a press conference on August 30th. Um, So what was that original resolution and what amendments have been made since? Um, So in June, the Austin City Council voted to, um, they voted to allow, they they only prohibited camping in public places if they present a safety issue prevent use of public facilities so like camping right in front of a restaurant door would not be still not be allowed but you can camp next to it you can camp on the streets as long as they don't present a as long as that doesn't block general public use of facilities or endanger the public however earlier last week uh, the assistant city manager and the senior executive assistant of the homeless strategy office sent a memo to Adler and the Austin City Council, which called for limiting camping in places with high numbers of pedestrians, vehicle traffic, and flood zones. Uh, This also encourages police officers to use non-criminal methods to enforce the restrictions they're proposing. So that's sort of been, after the uh, homelessness rules were put in place, there was a lot of pushback from the, especially some UT parents and some UT students about dangers about safety but there were also a lot of people who were 
happy that homeless people had uh, more places to stay. Right. What exactly are the safety concerns that like people are afraid of? So um, I don't know if I can name them specifically, but it seems like people are, especially UT parents and some UT students, there have been some a few incidents involving homeless people or people who are homeless in West Campus. And people do not want students to be, uh, especially on what's known as the drag, where many people who are homeless stay. People, some UT parents and UT students are uncomfortable with that. Should we be treating campus differently than the rest of Austin? That's what uh, uh, UT Police, PD Police Chief David Carter thinks. He would like uh, the Austin City Council, he would like them to consider prohibiting camping along the perimeter of UT's main campus and into West Campus. How common is that currently? Like, I see people walking around during the day, but I feel like I don't see a lot of people camping. I can't say, but uh, David Carter said UTPD received 171 calls involving transit or homeless people in 2018 and 147 so far this year. And so that would be, those would be incidents that occurred either on campus or uh, in the West Campus area. Mm-hmm. Mostly in the West Campus area because they patrol pretty campus pretty heavily for people who are homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, part of the reason that people pitch tents around the city is because they feel like they don't really have... Um, other places to go um so i feel like it's worth like mentioning like some of the other options that are available in austin and uh if austin is doing anything in conjunction with this like resolution to create more like shelters for example so in this so after the the two people i mentioned earlier set the sent that memo uh austin mayor adler held a press conference in response to the memo he said he plans to improve shelters uh, around Austin that are for homeless people and also remove some obstacles to use them because there are some uh, shelters and places where homeless people who are homeless don't consider their homes and some of them may not want to relocate to a completely different part of town. Mm-hmm. So Adler said he is going to work on building some shelters that will accommodate those people, but also that will take a bit of time. And so there, there's, there's not any short-term solutions. There are shelters around the city for people who are homeless. There are tent cities where people can put tents up in kind of a community. And there are various resources offered by volunteer and nonprofit groups. But those are kind of the resources I can think of. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people who are listening may be thinking like, I am just a student and I stay on campus and I do not want to live in Austin my whole life. So like, why should I care? Um, and I was wondering if you could speak to that at all, Spencer. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say just about homelessness in general, no, no humane society should have homeless people. Everyone should have, you know, a base amount of resources that they, that they're able to have to survive. And, you know, we, we live in, in a city that just until recently criminalized the very act of being homeless, you know, a situation that, you know, the people that are in that situation can't control and you know we live in a state that you know has been cutting funding and um, you know is not adequately funding resources in mental health uh, treats addiction as a crime instead of a health issue and um, you know housing especially in the city of Austin um, the price of that has just skyrocketed recently Um, I mean the reason that that people should care about this is not just because 
you know, you know, we we interact with homeless people, you know, on a daily basis. Um, but because you know, this is this is indicative of of you know much greater flaws in our society, and 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 it shows you know a, a very basic lack lack of compassion for for people that we aren't able to provide you know in a country like this um, for for the needs of of every person in our society, and. Um, you know, homelessness, you know, a lot of people in Austin, they treat homelessness as an issue of like, I don't want a homeless shelter in my backyard. I don't want to have to, you know, have to look at homeless people on the drag because, you know, it makes me upset or something like that. It's, it's always a question of, of how, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Um, that we, we need to reframe the conversation around homelessness, I think, because it's not just, you know, an inconvenience to you that you have to deal with, you know, tents on your daily commute. It is, you know, it's a much greater moral question than that of why is this allowed to exist in our society? And, you know, we as students need to act, you know, with our education, you know, with our power, we can go down to City Hall. We need to act as a student body and as, you know, even broader than that, you know, humans and, and truly, you know, try to try to change this because this this shouldn't this shouldn't exist in, in any form. And, you know, I, I support decriminalizing homelessness um, and, you know, absolutely providing more resources to these communities but um um yeah this is a this is a much broader issue that, that everyone should care about because mm-hmm. um you know it it, it it it's not only the, the you know conditions that homeless people currently live in but you know the society as a whole that, that has caused this to happen yeah i feel like um get like allowing homeless people to camp in like more spaces than they have been allowed to previously is like throwing them like the boniest of bones. <laughs> it's it's it you know it's it strikes me as um you know it's it's obviously not good that that you know the act of being homeless is not criminalized anymore because this is a situation that you know many homeless people you know do not have control over being in. But it it is it is a very hollow you know it's it's a small step forward a very very small step forward that that you know you're allowed to live in a tent now instead of you know allowed to have access to basic resources to live you know. a a fulfilling life Um, and we we have a long way to go before that i think adler has said that he has wanted to uh implement several uh solutions he called them used by cities on the west coast including mobile showers mobile bathrooms and storage facilities for people to put in their put their belongings uh into in austin he wants to implement that in austin spencer what are your thoughts on that i mean these if if you know in the short term they, they can improve the quality of life, you know, of, of, of the transient population and, you know, the homeless population, but uh, ultimately they're Band-Aid solutions and, you know, people will continue to, to fall into homelessness and live in that situation. All this will do is make that situation slightly less, you know, um, slightly less bad. And um, we have to take much larger steps on a societal level on how we treat and view, you know, the lives of humans um, to where we you know um, this 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 doesn't happen to begin with. I think um, perhaps this could be characterized as like making homelessness a more pleasant experience than actually like. But it will never be a, a pleasant experience. Of course not, and um, it would be like a better solution to reduce homelessness in the first place, no matter like how it feels or like how many things you have access to while you're um, in that state uh moving on to our final topic on august 22nd austin city council voted to advance an ordinance allowing for redevelopment of student apartment complexes in riverside 
If approved, the student apartments would be replaced with 4,700 residential units, 600 hotel rooms, and more than 4 million square feet of office and retail space. Uh, the third and final vote on this will happen on September 19th. So this ordinance has passed all the hurdles so far, um, but not without some conflict. Um, Spencer, why are people speaking out against this redevelopment? Um, I think I think this redevelopment um, brings the issue of gentrification, which Austin has been dealing with for a long time, very close to home for a lot of members in the UT community. Um, East Riverside, where this development is planned for, is pretty much the last affordable place in Austin for student housing. West Campus is incredibly unattainable. North Campus is as well. Uh, many parts of town are, and East Riverside is one of the few places that there is you know, dedicated housing for students and working class people. Mm -hmm. And um, it's literally almost half the, like pretty much half the rent yeah. that it is in West Campus. Yeah, it's, 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 a, major, it's a major difference. And um, you know, looking to gentrification projects in Austin in the past, um, East Austin, when I-35 was built, was, you know, um, the place that people of color, um, um, black Austinites, Latinx Austinites, were forced to relocate to by white developers and by white city planners. And now these communities are, are, are being forced out, you know, of, um, by, by wealthy developers, by the interests of City Hall. Um, they have no say in it. Their rents, their rents are, you know, going up. They can't afford it. And so they're most for, forced to move far away from their jobs, far away from their communities. And these communities are being quite literally destroyed. And in the past 10 years, I mean, it's been incredibly stark just how quickly this has happened. And um, with East Riverside, it will just be the same thing. Um, so for the UT students that currently live there, the question is, where will they move next? Um, it's really hard to say. There's not any comparable affordable housing you know, in that large of a scale anywhere else in the city of Austin. And if, you know, you move much farther out of the city of Austin, commute times become unbearable. It becomes unfeasible. Same goes for the working class people there. Um, this is sadly a continuation of, of a really damaging trend we've seen for a long time. And um, yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a large movement um, against this redevelopment for very good reason. I want to add a little context. Uh, sure. So we kind of talked about how the third vote is going to be on September 19th. So at the second vote, the kind of the ordinance passed six to five. So five council members expressed that they did not, their disapproval of the ordinance because of, like Spencer said, worries of gentrification. And they, you know, it passed six, five. And so it proceeds to its third. Very split. Very split to its third and final vote on September 19th. If it receives six, five or a majority at that, meeting it will become approved and the development will advance to its and it will be law mm -hmm. it'll be allowed to proceed but if it doesn't get approval it will have to have another revote on it another another thing i want to add is that this development will take oh, up to 20 years so it may not affect the current students living there but it will affect the next generation of students coming to ut and other people who aren't students living there and so the first two votes, those happened over the summer, correct? Yes, one happened uh, on August 9th, and the other one happened August 22nd. So that's when a lot of students aren't here. So how are they getting student voice during this process? They're not. Uh, a, some, a, there were a couple students who were there who did express their concerns about the students and city council members who expressed their concerns that these were be, being held when students were not around that also happened with 
kind of the community meetings held by the developers as well about these um, ordinances. Those were held, I believe, during spring break, some over the summer as well. So students were also not able to attend those if they were not in town. If it doesn't pass its third vote, like, why doesn't it just die? Like, why do they keep talking about it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happens if it doesn't pass its third vote. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Um, I don't know if I'm that well acquainted with the city council. And so, that's fine. But since we are reaching, like, the end of this, um, like, process and, like, decision, um, are there, like, any opportunities for students to express their opinions to the council? I mean, I think I think one of the more, you know, insidious parts of this of the supposedly democratic process of rezoning this this space is that, you know, the people that that live in in this community that will be you know quite literally destroyed for this project, you know, they're working class Austinites that have to work one job, two jobs, three jobs, and don't have time to make their voice heard, um, or simply don't know how. And the same goes with students. You know, they're attending UT. They might have jobs as well. And they might not, you know, be aware of how to get involved in the process. And if they are, they, they might simply just not have time, um, which makes it all the more difficult, you know, for the people that will be, you know, very viscerally affected by this to, to say anything about it. Um, so what, what we can do as UT students, um, regardless of whether we live in East Riverside or not, is um, we have to make our voices heard as a community and stand up for our, you know, our fellow Longhorns and fellow Austinites that will be affected and displaced by this project if it were to pass. Um, since it is city council, even just calling into your representative um, can, can help. It, it's not, it shouldn't be where your activism ends. It shouldn't be where um, any of that ends, but, but it is a good start because we're in a city that is large, but still small enough to where if you, know, you get a large enough number of people, then, then you can counter this. The only way to counter, you know, the, you know, the type of monetary investment that's this large is by a large number of people going in against it. And so, you know, UT students can protest. We can protest on campus. We can protest at City Hall. Sign up um, to speak at City Hall. You can do that um, up until the Monday before or the Monday of the week of a City Hall meeting and, and make your voices heard. City Hall, if they realize that, you know, the UT community is standing unified against developments like this and against attacks on fellow Longhorns and fellow Austinites, um, that is where change is made. But we have to do it by numbers. Because if we don't have the numbers, then projects like this will happen, and we have very little say in them. So really making, making your voices heard um, is, is the most important thing, regardless of where you live. This, this is our community, and, and we have to protect it. Uh, well, any closing thoughts from either of you about this topic or any other? I, all I can say is that there's definitely going to be some uh, strong debate going on the next time this bill is brought up. I'm sure. And you'll be able to read about it in the Daily Texan. In the paper. In the paper. <laughs>